And welcome back to our Book Talk segment of the program today. Great to welcome back a woman who's been with us before, and she has a brand new edition out of uh, the Wine Bible. It's the third edition. And uh, Karen McNeil joins us by telephone today from out in uh, Napa Valley, California. And uh, it's always great to talk to her again. She's the missionary, America's missionary of the vine. And uh, Karen, good to talk with you again. How have you been? Hi, Doug. I'm, I'm great. Thanks. I, I was checking the archives. Uh, I guess we missed you on the second edition, but it was six years ago we had you on for the first one. So I'm sorry we missed the second one, but good to have you back for the third. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. I guess since we talked to you last, obviously you, you, you continuously update and travel around the country, travel around the world to, to kind of update uh, uh, what's going on in the world of wine. And this particular edition, uh, I know it has different new sections on uh, Great Britain, Croatia, and Israel, I guess, p- places people don't necessarily think of as uh, places of uh, having great wine, but apparently they do, right? Yeah, you know, um, for for different reasons, a place like Croatia is sort of a a new old region. Uh, it has made wine for centuries, mm-hmm. um, especially as part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. But then the years of communism, um, several decades of communism, during that time, the, the vineyard sort of fell into disrepair. And today there's a big revival going on there. And Israel, of course, uh, a big revival. It's a Mediterranean country um, where uh, wine first began, um, one of the places where wine first began in Europe. And then a very brand new place, southern England, uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, certainly 20 years ago, no one would have thought that you could make wine south of London on the wet and uh, not very sunny and not very warm English coast. Right. But because of climate change, um, southern England has become a, a terrific place, especially for sparkling wine. There still has to be a specific weather conditions, right? I, I mean, they can't artificially create those conditions anywhere. Right? It has to be natural to be able to grow wine outside yeah. in certain conditions? Oh, absolutely. Um, all wine, it, wine is a very historic beverage, and it is absolutely made naturally. Now, even though um, some countries like England have benefited from climate change, a lot of countries, of course, for a lot of countries, it's been just the opposite. Um, even where I am in the Napa Valley, we've seen lots of wildfires and extreme heat. Um, so climate change has uh, has winemakers around the world uh, worried, for sure. Mm. Of course, uh, the traditional countries people associate with wine, and you've updated uh, the chapters on those, of course, talking about France, Italy, uh, Australia, South America, and of course, uh, the United States. And uh, I, I guess we'll just start with the United States, uh, you out in Napa Valley, which is uh, the, the place for wine in, in the U.S., or the, the primary place. Well, what's new or what's different since uh, the last edition? Yeah, the, um, you know, the whole culture of wine in America has has greatly expanded. Um, there are fine wine stores and, and wine bars and wine-oriented restaurants um, all over the United States now, including, of course, where you are in Florida. Um, and it's, uh, correspondingly, I guess I would say, um, wine has become a very important um crop in not only in California, but also in Oregon, in Washington state. In Oregon, um, 
about 30 years ago, there were no wineries. Today, there are more than a thousand. Mm. And those kinds of statistics are true in other parts of the United States as well. So it's a very exciting time for the U.S. And yes, little Napa Valley, which is a very small place, um, it's one-sixth the size of Bordeaux, for example, but Little Napa Valley uh, makes some pretty amazing wine um, of, of it on its own, too. I know on our, uh, when we do sports uh, talk uh, on our show here, we've had uh, Dick Vermeil on, of course, great NFL coach, but uh, he's a pretty popular winery out by you. I guess it's in Napa Valley. I think it is, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, a lot of sports figures are, are now involved in wine, lots of basketball stars, um, yeah, well, you know, there's no one type of wine drinker, at least in the United States. Um, wine is, uh, you know, it's it's a very, I guess I'll say egalitarian beverage. Lots mm. of different people uh, love it of, of all different, um, I don't know, occupations, races, sure. personal backgrounds, etc. Are there new kinds of wines being developed? Uh, obviously, there's different. You know, variations, we all know white, red, you know, Cabernet, Merlot, that kind of thing. But are they still developing, I don't know if it's new, but maybe different variations of wines even today? Not so much. You know, one of the things I love about wine is how how historic it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's the beverage of, of history. It, it was the beverage of religion for centuries in Europe. And... Um, it's a very natural product. You take grapes. In fact, wine would make itself if you did nothing. Um, sure. Grapes would, uh, you know, split apart and then just yeast floating in the in the air would cause those grapes to ferment. So um, the the idea that there would be, uh, I don't know, an entirely new way. It's, it's hard to imagine because it's a very natural product. Of course, every year, um, lots of wines get better and better and better as winemakers sort of hone their crafts. Um, and we discover new places, um, as we were just talking about. I mean, another new place is China. I would have, if, if you said to me 30 years ago, that I would eventually write a book that would have big sections on wine in Asia. I would say, that's crazy, of course not. But um, there are big sections now on China and Japan. Um, Wine is is a global phenomenon, and here in the U.S., it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, and and so much... To, to kind of travel and see, which you've done in this book. I know we, we have limited time today, but this book, again, broken down into uh, so many different sections uh, of the world. You just have different chapters, and people can really get uh, in-depth information on uh, the types of wines, where they grow, and kind of how wine is put together. And, again, this book is called The Wine Bible. It's the third edition, fully revised and updated. Great pictures in it as well. And Karen McNeil has been our guest today. And, uh, Karen, once again, give out your website, if you will. People get more information about uh, you and the book. Yes. Um, the book, by the way, um, the Wine Bible can be, of course, purchased at um, independent bookstores. You can also buy it on um, on Amazon. And if since holidays are coming, if you want a signed and personalized copy um, or more information about it, you can go on my website, which is karenmacneil.com. And, 
And there you'll be able to both get more information on the Wine Bible as well as get a signed copy. Great. And and obviously, I guess you, you kind of continuously, it's a job that keeps you going for you, right? I mean, you're always traveling and always finding out new things. So it's, it's, it's a great, great occupation you have, Karen. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you enjoy it. You know, people, <laughs> people always, um, people always uh, sort of laugh, I guess, when I tell them that in my office we taste about 2,000 wines a year. Um, so, yes, we've been traveling, but sometimes we stay home and taste a lot of wine as right. well. And uh, what can I say? Some woman has to do it, Doug. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, we won't wait six years before we talk again, Karen. I know you'll have another book uh, hopefully within a year or so. We'll have you back then. But thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Pleasure. I'm Stan Brock. Thirty years ago, I formed Remote Area Medical to help people overseas. But then we found generations of families in America isolated by poverty from the health care they need. Together, we can take dental, vision, and medical help to a million adults and their kids right here at home in the United States of America. 